Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of what we're talking here on Thanksgiving Eve, which I believe this is our, I think, Chris, this is our first Thanksgiving Eve show, isn't it? I think. I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if we've done one before, but I think ordinarily we kind of take this week off. Yeah, normally we do, but with, there's there's plenty of there's go there's plenty of content to get to, and then there's there's John with us too as well. Hello, uh, you've updated your off or studio. I see. I kind of had to move, so. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I was gonna say you have the jerseys of pa- Pistons past glore. I got Verlander, Astros. Yeah, there's Verlander. There's Cunningham. There's that's a good one too. There's Trevor's everybody. Hamilton. There you Griffin, go. There you go. Yeah, Grant. Blake Griffin. Uh, but yeah, it is. <laughs> no. Welcome everybody who's on a YouTube chat. Welcome CC Gaming sixty four. Good to see you again. And I'm again. I'm because I'm time with Chris Brown, Uper, and John. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts too. And we were just talking before the show. We did get a review a couple days ago, and it was uh, it wasn't a five star review. It was a two star review, and. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to everybody, too. And shout out to you, Tom Sweetman, the sweetest man I've ever known in a YouTube chat there. Right. So we got a we got a five we got two two star review, and they were saying along the lines of we know our content. The sound again was an issue. They were saying something about the sound that and then we use a lot of filler words. Uh, uh, honestly, thank you for the critique, and I, I appreciate it. So if they talk about words like mm. Rat scripted. It's just kind of off the cuff. We research our topics, and I mean, I'm not gonna be like a radio drama. I mean, if you want me to do something along the lines of, I got some right here. Like, for example, uh, I'll read something that's not a bill related, but uh, like it's it, it, social security numbers. What? Yeah, <laughs> something <laughs> along the lines of like, if if I'm reading something, it's gonna sound like using all. Use the following statements to make a completed sentence. So I appreciate the review, and I, I I know what they meant by that, and all that. And again, the sound is evolving, which is why we have a Patreon. So anyway, we're working even... to get better every day. Yes, exactly. So let's get into Thanksgiving. We'll get into the entire talk here in a second. We're talking uh, Candelario. There's a couple of roster moves that. Happened last week, the non-tender stuff we have to get to. But I'm going to ask you guys a question. I'm asking the audience a question. If you're fielding a starting nine or a starting lineup of Thanksgiving sides, I've wanted to ask this question. <laughs> like, no, because, like, there's some people in this, like, people, there's people, I'm getting the vibe on Twitter that everyone likes turkey. So if you, yeah, there's, I think, the consensus in the room here, we all like turkey. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah, I, like a, a, a Thanksgiving style turkey is like I like turkey sandwiches. I'd had a turkey sandwich today. It's the, the Thanksgiving style turkey sometimes isn't great, but it's hard to cook. Yeah, you can either smoke it. There's they always show now the annual fry your turkey, burn your house down videos. <laughs> videos That's what, cracks me up. We're having a deep fried turkey tomorrow, so we'll see how it goes. Oh, so if you're creating a starting lineup of Doing baseball things, lineup of your favorite turkey Thanksgiving sides. <laughs> what would you have? And so I thought of three sides. Nine sides seems ridiculous, but there's some houses that roll that deep. So if I'm going to do a starting infield, so an infield would be appropriate, right? Do you have like a list ready to write this down or something? Yeah, I have, I have a list. <laughs> of, I like it. 
ranking. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like ranking or ranking our sides. So mm-hmm. it's because it, usually what it is is that people will Thanksgiving is more known for the the sides versus turkey. So I'm gonna ask everybody who's watching us on YouTube too if you have some sides that will again it's always better with the sides there than the actual dishes so here here we go in terms of i, I know there's going to be your traditional favorites so you have uh, mashed potatoes you have stuffing but my three my okay starting infield of mine okay there okay. we go all right so yeah. that's first base second base shortstop third catcher so you got five five side dishes so mine would be number one corn stuffing or stuffing just stuffing Stuffing number one, can't go wrong with it. You're, you're a cornbread stuffing person, or are you? Uh... I'm cornbread stuffing. I like sausage stuffing. Something I had recently, but I'm mm-hmm. still gonna go with 100 cornbread stuffing. I'll put yeah. great or I'll put gravy on it and <laughs> everything like that. That's it's. I, I mash food together. I, I'm, I'm gonna mm-hmm. make a sandwich. Like last week, I had a breakfast sandwich at this place by my house called the Glass Onion. I gotta pump those guys because they Ooh. said they were listening to the podcast. So. I gotta plug them. They had a they had a breakfast sandwich, bagel, turkey sausage, cranberry cream cheese on the bottom, stuffing in a sandwich, and cheese. Phenomenal stuff. Phenomenal. And they also had chicken and waffles, but the waffles were cornbread stuffing. Ooh, so really, yeah, that's uh, tremendous. <laughs> oh, blood right. I miss you, man. Oh, that was that's some good stuff there. So number two, my number two would be. So this is a for me. This is a, a thing for my house is uh, arroz con frijoles or black beans and rice. That's a that's a tradition in the Castillo household. We have black beans and rice every year. For a while, my mom would make my mom would make shredded pork too, and that was like we usually do two meats. That's how we roll in our house. But so I wouldn't count the pork as a, a side. So number three, and you know what? By the way, CC Gaming sixty four said corn is his number one side. Solid. I like, and my, that actually leads to my number three, corn casserole. You ever have corn casserole? It's so, I, maybe I'm butchering it incorrectly, but it's baked on top. It's hard. It's like, a, it looks like a biscuit kind of the topping. Sarah, is it corn casserole that every year my sister makes that's really good? A cornbread pudding. Sorry. Cornbread pudding. Number three. Fantastic. Stuff. Really, really good. Really, really good. My sister started making it a few years ago. Fantastic. That's that. Number I'm four. Over. Number four. <laughs> number four is I know it sounds really basic, but cranberries. Love cranberries. Has to be part of my side. And then the last one, and I'll probably get some brief for this because I didn't choose some of the other traditional dishes, but honestly, my fifth one would probably have to be sweet potatoes. Hey, let's go. Yeah, so. Alright. Well, who has who are some sides they want to brag about? Well, for me, I'm a huge cornbread fan. So I'm right along step by step with you here, Roger. One of them. The one we have every year is a spicy Italian sausage cornbread stuffing. Sounds outstanding. Uh, yeah. That sausage got a really good spice to it. Just fits in well with the sweetness of the cornbread. Love that. I could eat the whole tray. My second favorite side is a carrot rutabaga mash. So basically, you just boil the carrots and boil the rutabaga, and then you take a potato masher, and you just uh, make it into almost like a mashed potato consistency, and you put a ton of pepper on it, and it's fantastic. 
The carrot, again, is sweet. The rutabaga has a little sharp taste to it. Love the combo. So that's my two. And then one we've had a couple times recently, this kind of a new one, is a jalapeno mac and cheese. It's pretty tasty, too, that my wife makes. So, And then, of course, we get into the pies. I'm, I'm, I rank them apple pie, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, if I had to go a ranking of pies. All right. I can I can think that. We didn't really get pies until growing up. It was kind of a traditional hit. Like We did majority Cuban foods, and we did flan every once in a while, but pies are becoming more in rotation, and I'm all for it. By the way, Todd in YouTube chat had one sweet potatoes, with bacon and thyme. The thyme or missing? Thyme. Yep. Drizzle maple syrup. Turkey side dish staple. That's a good one. I like that one. And then Blood Right has sliced almond pastries for dessert. So that's uh, that's a good one right there. Oh, oh, that's my dad. <laughs> I was gonna say those are good. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good yeah. one. That's a good one right there. Cheesy hey. potatoes with layered with down, yeah. potato chips baked. I've actually had that recently. Another one. That people, the, yeah, there's, ooh, this is a good one too from CC Gaming. Corn casserole with bacon bits in it. I could totally see that. But one, have you ever, you guys ever had the White Castle cheeseburger casserole? No. Yeah, that's, so, so like White Castle on the rest, on, you can buy the White Castle, those boxes they sell, the microwave boxes have you, and, and I think in stores too. You can buy the recipe for it, and so, or they had the recipe on the back of some of the bags and stuff like that. And essentially, it's like I forgot how many white castles it is, but you can make it into a, a casserole for Thanksgiving. So, if you want to punish your colon even more, by all <laughs> means, go for it. But uh, Matthew Perry, yeah, go ahead, Chris. What's 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 some of yours? It's got to be a like I I'll eat any, anything and everything. Like the the one thing that I'm not a fan of is cranberries. Um, I, it's just a little too bitter for me, but I, I know a lot of people love them and that's fine. I'm happy with other people liking whatever they like. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like growing up, we did, we had a very, very basic Thanksgiving and it was often at my grandparents' house. So there was like weird things like Waldorf salad. Yeah. Just like there's like grapes and walnuts in it. I don't know. It's gross, but I married into a Mexican family. Right. And uh, their Thanksgivings are, almost always have some really interesting stuff. There was one year where. My wife's cousin from Mexico City made tamales, but they were turkey and sausage stuffing tamales. Oh, with, man. With, that like, sounds phenomenal. Know, it was. It, they were spectacular. And, and like you, Raj, uh, her, she's got an aunt who makes really good black beans. They're, it's it's almost like, I don't know what she puts it. It's like black beans and, and like pepper jack cheese or something, but it's all melty and creamy and spicy and it's super delicious. Nice. And even like stuff that I had never once thought to try like Brussels sprouts, generally pretty uh, gross. But somebody in the family makes them really well. They season them well. They cook them so they're they're a tender. And then there's like, I'm forgetting the name of the fruit. Uh, it's, it's got a billion different seeds in it. It's red pomegranate, pomegranate seeds. So oh, yeah, okay. And then like little chunks of sweet potato all, all nice. together. And it's really, it's really delicious. It's something I never would have thought to try. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm a stuffing guy. I'm pretty simple. Give me the, the moist bread. And I'll eat it. <laughs> yeah. John, what about you? I mean, I know your dad shared one of his yeah. dishes, but. Yeah, I'm pretty simple. I, I do like those cheesy potatoes, but I just like turkey and mashed potatoes. That That's good enough for me, honestly. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, you, your you, you pa- your palate is evolving. Yeah. What is that? Young man. 
it's like my my son calls me earlier and he's like just because he knows i'm lactose intolerant he goes just make sure you bring plenty of the lactose pills because he's talking about making the best macaroni and cheese of all time and truthfully i'll be honest with you growing up we had the box macaroni and cheese and then we i didn't know that you could bake it in a pan i didn't know that was a thing until i got so but yeah he was like just why don't you have a couple bites I can kill you. Like, well, it, yeah, it killed it might, you. Yeah, it will kill me. But yeah, in other different ways. So, but let's get into some baseball conversation because, yes, the in terms of the hot stove for the Tigers, it's cold. In the, it's cold. It, there's nothing in the oven for the Tigers right now. There's no turkeys, no, no nothing. I'm not sure what's. I know there are some people kind of wondering what is going on, if there's some sort of activity or anything, but we did see MLB trade rumors come out with their projected projections on who the Tigers would pick and what happened, who they'd sign rather. And so there was really in terms of surprises a little bit, not, I don't say any, anything that stood out. I mean, Jackson proof profile was one of them. And that's a, a guy who I'm working on a piece right now. Chris is working on an infield talent. The Tigers could target. I'm working on the outfield side of things. And I would have had that done two days ago, but it's just been, Woodward has been crazy. There's been working on Thanksgiving. There's the Lions. The Lions have won three in a row, folks, breaking out. And then, we, of course, we have Michigan, Ohio State this weekend. So whichever side you're on, it's cool. I'm not going to get into that because it seems like it's that we do have some Ohio State. We have actually quite a bit of Ohio listeners out there. So I don't want to – if you if you want to root for that team, by all means, go knock yourself out. That's cool. I – whatever. Tishon. That's all I'm going to say. So, so the Tigers have been projected with him, and the reason why, obviously, he's a good filler in terms of playing left field. He's been playing. He's been playing all over throughout his career, but it looks like the outfield now is his place. So they were doing other. They, for example, they predicted five years and 140 million for Carlos Rodon and Phillies, Rangers, Mets, and the Mets were among the teams that they were projected for. The Cardinals seem like to come up quite a bit in a lot of those. Justin Verlander, by the way, who met with the Mets three years, 120 million. So that's what he's getting projected at. A guy who I thought was the, uh, in terms of a guy who I thought would be a good one because of play discipline, Brandon Nimmo, five years, 110 million, but unfortunately not targeted for the Tigers. What they're going to spend, I mean, even like Wilson, Wilson Contreras, four years, 84 million. I think the Astros would be a good fit. I was talking about that earlier with somebody else, but some of the names on there, but getting back to the, who the Tigers were targeted for. One of them was Zach Efron. Who's the pitcher? Zach Efron. Zach. <laughs> wow. Zach Efron. Wow. Efron. Hey. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, that oh, yeah. And that was another thing too. Somebody uh, during the review, they butcher names. I, <laughs> I will tell you flat out. I do not get names right. And, I don't know what you guys want me to say. I'm I'm work on it. I know the knowledge. So if the knowledge doesn't stand out among us or in pronunciation, then I'm sorry. For the most part, we know who you're talking about and or we correct you. It's fine. Yeah, it's in Exactly. <laughs> Jameson Talion was the other one that was targeted. And and I want to ask you guys about him in terms mm. of a deal for him. Talk about they're talking about four years to fifty six million. But this is a guy who has had multiple arm problems you're talking he's had he's had two tommy john surgeries he's had 
issues with his hip flexor tendon. He's they they so they discovered new damage according to this to the report. They discovered new damage to his uh, unar collateral ligament. So I don't know. Four years at fifty six million for the Tigers. That's what one of the writers predicted. I don't know. What do you guys think? It just seems to me he's always going to be a guy left chasing the prospect hype that he had. He's always going to be chasing after that. He's never going to catch it like a a dog trying to catch his tail kind of thing. The money, four four and 56, that's not outrageous. If If they did that and got one or two good years out of him, that's not the end of the world. I just think there are other ways I would go personally before I before his name came at the top of my list. Yeah. For, go ahead, John. Yeah, just for, for four years, I, just the injury history for me. I mean, his number, I'm looking at his numbers, they're not bad, like a career 3.84 ERA. He's he's always been solid, just never really been able to take that next step. So maybe you look at a guy like Zach Wheeler, who was kind of also in that same position, never really could stay healthy, was never really a top-of-the-rotation pitcher and kind of found it in his late 20s, early 30s, but he's 31 years old. Uh, is is his best days behind him at this point? I That's going to be tough to tell. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he's the sort of number four starter that the Tigers are going to end up signing. He's the kind of pitcher they're going to sign. I As for him specifically, I don't I don't see a huge difference between him and like Taiwan Walker or Zach Eflin, like they mentioned. And yeah, I mean, his story is pretty remarkable. I think he is a cancer survivor too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, to, to John's point, he was he was taken between Bryce Harper and Manny Machado in the draft, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. tough to live up to. And, and the fact that he's still pitching is pretty impressive. I I agree. Four years seems like a bit much for a back of the rotation starter. <clears throat> and also, we haven't seen Scott Harris when he was with the Giants give out a deal any longer than three years. But I don't know. He's, he's it's the sort of pitcher I could absolutely see them signing, but I wouldn't necessarily get super excited about it. Yeah, I mean, there's two other pitchers that we mentioned too. And, and CC Gaming, by the way, had a good idea in the, in the YouTube chat about Cody Bellinger taking a flyer on him. If they can, if the Tigers can swing it, then by all means, I think that you, with all the hitting, and he mentioned all the new hitting coaches and the way they're looking at the analytics. Definitely. It's totally and 100% feasible that they could re- revamp them because, if, again, if there's one thing that we noticed in the last year or two, Tigers are actually fixing people versus coming here broken and staying broken. So we've noticed that in the minor league system as well. The other pitcher they were mentioning as a possibility is Jose Quintana, who really, in terms of I was looking at his numbers, and I did a starting pitcher piece on him, Quintana's interesting because – Honestly, we gave him up for he was given up really much for fodder. I mean, he was heading towards the like Bon Nova route of just being like this uh, forgotten afterthought, but he had put up a good year. And he was again, St. Louis, the, the Cardinal Magic. But I mean, he had a really good start against the Phillies in the postseason. And it's one of those guys who he's a lefty, so he's always getting a chance to get work. And all that big money. I mean, this is a guy who had a 6.43 ERA last in 2021. So I, I, the more I think about it, if the, the Tigers did two years, 24 million with that as a guy at the back end of a rotation, I'd be fine with that. I mean, that's what MLB trade rumors had. And somebody mentioned here, Henry in the YouTube chat mentioned 
Johnny Cueto. So I'll start with you, Chris, on Cueto and Quintana. Well, the Cueto was vaguely interesting because he was there with the Giants for a long time until uh, last year, right? Until he hopped on with the, the White Sox. And he had a really good year, and he's kind of a crafty veteran. It, he's not going to be a huge strikeout guy, but he seems to know how to pitch for sure. And that, that wouldn't be bad to have on the staff with a relatively young rotation. I mean, even Eduardo Rodriguez is only like 29, I think. And that's a guy I don't think you'd have to sign for more than one year, maybe two years. I think I think I would prefer him to Quintana just based on that. Although Quintana could theoretically give you a, another year or two of, of quality pitching, but I kind of feel like he's pretty similar to Erod. And I like to have a little bit more diversity on the, the pitching staff. How about you, Uber? Yeah, I, I would probably lean Cueto myself, specifically for what Chris said, one year versus two. I, I bet you can get him for one year with for a few million dollars. Quintana, never been his biggest fan. He had his, that, even back to his White Sox days, I mean, he had some good outings, obviously, had a couple good years, but I would try to go a different route than that. What was interesting was you guys have already mentioned two guys I had written down here for one of the questions later, Zach Eflin and Taiwan Walker. I actually like Taiwan Walker. I watched him pitch a couple times last year. That's and He might be a little bit more expensive than some of these other names we're talking about, but I think that's a guy that would really be a good piece of the rotation. And the other thing I think is I, I would hope that health really is a big factor because obviously, you know, this we just saw this past season, all the pitchers go down onto the disabled or the injury list. You'd like to go in a different direction and get some guys who are going to be reliable to take the ball. Definitely. John, what about you? I'm on the mindset. I don't want any long-term deals for starting pitchers. I I would like like a one or two year deal. Cueto, I, I like that, but I just don't know. If, if this team were to struggle, how much could you really get for him if you decide to flip him at the trade deadline? I think a guy like Quintana could have a little bit more value. And like to Uper's point, I like Taiwan Walker a lot, but he's going to probably demand at least three or four years. And so I'm more of like a, a one or two year deal type of guy. And I think Quintana and Cueto both fit that. So I wouldn't be particularly mad with either of them. Yeah, both have really good chase rates. Quintana at 83% and Cueto at 75% or excuse me, 74%. So in terms of also trying to limit walks, I mean, this is a guy who last year Cueto came out and threw 158 innings and he was signed. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was signed later in the year, I believe. And the white, I mean, he was a flat out like, Hey, this team is pissing me off. <laughs> he wasn't afraid to say anything about the white Sox clubhouse, like at, or the cold, like atmosphere of the club clubhouse for the White Sox, but this is a guy who also does a really good job of limiting walks, but his K rate has kind of decreased. He's not that same strikeout pitcher that he once was, so he is that definitely a definition of a crafty right-hander, and same thing with Quintana. Quintana's not going to give you, he's not going to overwhelm you with his fastball, but he does, he's one of those guys that he has to have pinpoint location. When he does, he's pretty effective. As far as Walker goes, I, that was a guy who I thought the Tigers should sign a couple of years ago. Again, I don't know the, some of the like some of the things that you keep hearing outside after the whole Vila era is just kind of like shakes your head, like like just some of the things like they didn't do what they didn't do anyway. Some of the things that just you hear about that and Walker was one of those I think was 
they could have got him for three or four years at a good price. Now his market's gone up. And so yeah. it was one of those things that he was bouncing back after numerous arm problems with the Diamondbacks. His velocity was starting to get there. And that was a good guy you could take a flyer on. But for whatever reason, eh, I, whatever whatever powers to be decided not to do that. But either way, now his value goes up a little bit. And I, I agree with you, John. I don't think he's going to – it would be nice. But, I mean, as far as Zach Efren goes – Efren F- – F- Eflin. Eflin. Zach mm-hmm. Efren goes. Eflin. Eflin. No. Eflin. No. Eflin. Did I say it right? Eflin. All right. Okay, folks, you can you can grill me on in the podcast review about that. That's fine. This guy doesn't know his anyway. But this guy, but as far as Zach goes, he's had a couple surgeries, and in in terms of, he probably wants to start. You could put him in the bullpen, sure, but I'm sure he wants to be a starter. And for him, for his numbers, when he's healthy, it shows that he's a pretty good effective pitcher. As far as other names goes on the list, there's of course. Clayton Kershaw, all that stuff. I don't see that happening. Same thing with JD Martinez and some of the mm-hmm. other high names. But one name I wanted to ask you guys about, and this is a name that also is synonymous with the Padres, is Will Myers. So Will Myers is also a free agent. I mean, he's a right-handed bat. He was last year. He put up a one-two point WAR. I mean, he's been talked about getting traded for a long time. OPS plus over one hundred eight with his with the Padres and so this is a guy who can play multiple positions he has been primarily I believe he's been using the outfield but he last year played he, he caught I remember he was he pitched at one point too but not as much he pitched not as much as Cody Clemens but he can play all he played the center field play right field he can play first base and so you like that ability to have that versatility at first base because we were we've been talking about Spencer Trokelson and they're gonna need a backup for that. But that being said, what do you guys think about Will Myers? I I I think I'm a fan because I think we need a right-handed bat and I don't think he's gonna cost you a whole lot. You could probably get him on a one year deal. And just looking at his numbers, he's he's been really consistent over these last out throughout his career, like 2016, 797 OPS, 2017, 792 OPS, 2018, 764 OPS. He's really been around that range, 750 to 800 OPS every single year. And uh, like I said, I think he fills a lot of needs for this team in terms of he could play first base if Torkelson's struggling. You could platoon him in the outfield with all the lefty bats that you have. And like I said, if, it's a, if you could get him on a one-year cheap deal – I would be definitely in for that. What about you, Chris? Yeah, for me, he's just kind of, it depends on how willing he is to be a platoon player. If he, if he's willing to come in and play 60 games and hit only against lefties, then I think, yeah, he, he would be very effective in that role. I think he's got a, a pretty good career numbers against lefties. It just, he's not much of, just kind of blah and average against right-handed pitching. But we, we know that, that Harris, from his days at the Giants, they really did a good job of platooning guys. And if he's amenable to that, I think, what to John's point, yeah, that there's a lot of things that would make him fit. The, the lefty-heavy outfield, he could play at least yeah. both corners. I don't think he's a viable center, center fielder. Yeah. Can he play third? He can, I don't think he can play, play third, but he no, can play okay. the corner outfield. I mean, mm-hmm. 
And then, yeah, he can play some first base. So there's some versatility there, and it's the right-handed bat. It's just he's not a huge power guy. He's got some pop, and he can get on base decently. He had a rough year last year with injuries and, and performance, so maybe you can bet on a bounce back maybe. But, again, like, I'm not giving that guy more than, like, $8 million for one year, so it depends on what he's looking for. What about you, Uber? Yeah, I, well, you'll never really catch me complaining too much about a one-year contract. Very, very seldom. And I imagine I have it at points over the years, but he'd be a fine enough player. You know, it, as long as it's part of a role that he's in and he's not being given a full-time position, and as long as he's not the marquee signing of the winter, if he's being brought in for a certain role, that, that makes perfect sense to me. Of course, my mind always says if he's going to accept a role like that, then I would try to find a contender who wants to give me a role before I went to the Tigers, but he may not have that opportunity. He's been said to be on the market for a long time. Every year via trade, he never moves to San Diego, so the the demand might not be that high. Well, that was probably because of the contract he was on. Well, sure, yeah. but still, if they wanted to, if they wanted the bat bad enough, somebody would have eaten the money, though. I think uh, that's yeah. true. It's one of those things where I think for. You have the Mark Cotner effect there, too. I mean, he's familiar with him in San Diego. So, again, I know that scouting is a different department altogether, but they had to scout him for the trade, right? I mean, so he's been there, what, eight seasons now? So they had to do some advanced scouting on him, right, for the trade from the Royals? Did they trade for him, or was it a free agent signing? He was on the Rays, right? He was he was drafted by the Rays. Yeah. He was drafted by the the Royals and then Royals. traded to the Rays oh, in yeah. the James yeah. Shields deal. I want to say. Yes, James yeah. Shields. Yeah, and then I don't. The, the, the Rays must have traded him to San Diego because he's not old enough to have signed that that long of a free agent deal. I don't think they must have extended him and, and traded him. But anyway, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it was part. Yeah, it was, it was in twenty fourteen. Sorry, the trade was. No. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I mean he's. There are a handful of interesting corner outfielders. That's actually one of the, the questions we got today was you know, which name a corner outfielder that's realistic. And I would put him in that category, along with Profar you touched on earlier. Tommy Pham is a guy I think they could look at for a platoon role. A.J. Pollock, maybe. Chase Peterson. Chase, well, he's more of an infielder, isn't he? Right. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of like filling, like if they wanted to get creative of, of putting him yeah. in the outfield, who knows? I mean, the staff, again, we have no idea we're trying to build out a staff that we're still getting familiar with, but he did play. He played, you know, played 14 games in the outfield last year, but he's primarily a third baseman, but that's a guy who could fill two roles too, technically, mm-hmm. but not sexy at all, but it's just uh, one of those things, but you, you would hope that they would have some money to spend on that. And that's where Uper has been hunt, nailing it home all day about <laughs> Tiger spending. And he's absolutely right about that. They have to, they're going to, again, I think there's just maybe perhaps the quiet before the storm, I'm I'm hoping. So maybe after Thanksgiving, beginning of December, winter meetings are coming up, so you're going to definitely see the winter, winter meetings has some talk going on. Speaking of, by the way, the Angels yesterday made an interesting trade. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but the Angels and Brewers decided to become trade partners and was the Angels got Hunter Renfro from Milwaukee. Now, there was somebody on Twitter who was saying that Tommy, in terms of possible next trade, would be Colton Wong. That would be the next move. So we'll talk about him for the Tigers fit here in a second. But this is the fourth time, fourth team in four years for Hunter Renfro. So <laughs> that I don't know if that's 
that's kind of alarming. Or I mean, that's a guy who's a right-handed slugger who put up some pretty he his numbers in terms of OPS plus one twenty six. He hit twenty nine home runs. But I mean, this is yeah, like I said, he averages thirty six home runs in his seven year career so far. So, and he's going to be a free agent next year. But that gives the Angels a pretty right handed heavy power lineup. So you're talking about you got Taylor Ward out there, you have Trout, Joel, and then you have Mickey Oniak as a possible reserve too. So, but I, I know I like that trade for the Angels. They're addressing they're slowly but surely addressing the needs that. This is a team last year that was had one of the longest losing streaks in baseball. Their starting staff, they've been regressive already. They signed Tyler Anderson. What did you guys think of the trade, John? Yeah, I was very interested in this because I just they have so many right-handed outfield bats specifically with Trout, Ward, and Joe Adele, who's going to look like a fourth outfielder, and then obviously adding Renfro. So I was kind of interested. Maybe they are going to look to move a guy like Joe Adele because I think he should – be given the opportunity to to start because I think he's a guy that's had a lot of potential and hasn't really been able to live up to it yet so I wonder if they're going to look to move him and other thing I was looking at is they actually traded their closer Iglesias at the trade deadline last year so they could have a need for a bullpen arm and we did hear that the Tigers could be looking to, to move some bullpen arms so I was thinking maybe there could be a trade to be made there for that a right-handed outfield bat and Joe Adele that the Tigers could stick in their outfield and maybe give the Angels like a Joe Jimenez. That was something I was thinking about that could interest me. But it's a good trade for the Angels because I just think depth has been a huge problem for them. I really like the Gio Urshela trade as well, just because we know Anthony Rendon can never stay healthy. But yeah, just looking at it from the Tigers' point of view, a lot of right-handed outfield bats, and that's kind of what the Tigers needed in the outfield right now. I think Renfro would have been a good, decent fit for Detroit. And given that the Angels didn't give up anything that looks on the surface to me from 10,000 miles away, that crazy to get Renfro, I think that was a pretty good trade for for the Angels. I did like the one guy named Jansen Junk. That's a heck of a name for a pitcher. That's fantastic. That's an 80 name, no question. Is he an 80 pitcher? I kind of doubt it. But we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. But the right-hand power would have been played really well in Detroit. Now, I did see people talk about things after trades, things get bandied around. Said supposedly Renfro, one of the reasons he's been on all these teams, five teams now over the years, is he's very uh, reluctant to accept coaching or any kind of criticism or any kind of analytics. And he rubs, he wears out his welcome. Is that true? I don't know. I'm not in that clubhouse. I couldn't tell you. That's just something you read on Twitter. But he does move a lot, so I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes. But Detroit definitely could have used a power source from the right-hand side in their outfield. But the, obviously the Angels were motivated to get that done. Yeah, along with, with the Brewers, just based on the trades that they've made lately, it seems like they're really more about getting quantity over quality. And not necessarily like I'm sure they like the players they get, but I, I feel like they're giving themselves more bites at the apple. Like, yeah, we'll take three guys, sure, for one year. And so, I mean, if, if the Tigers want to go get Colton Wong, who would fit the team, then maybe they can just throw together the, the old poo-poo <laughs> platter. That's a couple interesting players. Maybe give them Reese Olsen back, and, and then we're done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was it was our, a buddy of the show, friend of the show, Dave Gasper, who we've had on from reviewing the brew, 
mentioned that the trade for Renfro was essentially a salary dump, but according to GM Matt Arnold, Brewers GM Matt Arnold, it was not a salary dump type of trade, but they, I mean, the, the, it looks like productive player is going to make north of 11 million next year, as he was mentioning in the, in the article too. And that the was Buster only the reported that the, the Renfro deal is a salary dump organization pitch star pitch thin gives up three arms who've been shopping Renfro aggressively. He can make 11 million arbitration. The expectation among rival teams that Colt Wong will be next to go. Now Wong does play second. Tigers do have a second baseman in Jonathan scope who is good defensively. Uh, was one of the leaders in outs above average. I know he had a bad year. Everybody really, I, I think that in my personal experience, what I've seen, I take away Twitter for a moment because Twitter is, well, let's just face it. Sometimes it's just a toxic crap hole and people are just the worst on Twitter. Take that away for a moment and look at how even in, in Facebook and other applications, but even just the vibe with scope scope got off to a slow start and never recovered. And it was just kind of like a whole mental thing. It's the same thing with Candelario. Like they just, they, you could tell something wasn't in between the ears, right? With, and scope showed moments at least. And same thing with Candelario who is not coming back by the way. And the Tigers is floated out there. has been suggested among Twitter real quick before I forget this is that the Tigers made an offer. His agent said no. And they're like, okay, bye. So again, whether it's true or not, we'll never know. But uh, again, allegedly air quote, air quotes that out there. But as far as Wong goes, look, if the Tigers were interested in Wong, where would you put him? I mean, you're going to make Jonathan Scope your backup first baseman. That would make sense. Or are you going to move? You would have to move Scope. I'm assuming in his seven million dollars, right? I mean, just to have that much money in two, one spot doesn't make much sense to me. So, I mean, one of the things, and Wong actually graded out really poorly at second base last year, which is not consistent with what he's done throughout the rest of his career. So, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if he just had a really bad year or they were positioning him differently. The one thing that you can do at StatCast is you can you can click on a player and, and break down where their outs above average came. And Scope was was great everywhere last year, but more than half of his outs above average came in positions that he won't be able to be in next year. So on the other side of second base and in the outfield, the shallow right field. So, I mean, he's still going to be an above average defender, but not necessarily. It's, it's not one of those things where like, hey, we can't move him because his glove is so good. Uh, and I would consider sending him to third base if you're going to keep him. He's definitely got the arm strength, right? We know he's capable of, of handling first base, which is well, he's got a good glove, basically. He's pretty good at digging balls out of the dirt. So I think he could survive just fine at third base. And uh, theoretically, he's kind of fits the profile of a, a third baseman more than a second baseman anyway. In the traditional sense, a slugger. He didn't do any slugging last year, but uh, I don't know, maybe... Maybe a position that is not quite as challenging defensively might help. I don't know. He hit pretty well playing first base. So, I mean, that's that's just one option. They, they, yeah, I mean, they've got a handful of guys now on the infield that they can play at third base, second base. They just, I don't know who they're who's going to win the job there. Yeah, that's just going to be it's a wide open market right now in terms of that. What about you, Uper? Well, I just think that in terms of Colton Wong, I've always liked the player, and in my opinion. Tigers, especially offensively wise, they need talent. Are they if they if they were able to get Colton Wong today, 
for a minor league package of players, are they a better team than they were yesterday? I think they are because I just think that he's a talented guy. You plug him in and you make it work with, with, with the other guys you've got on hand. That's kind of where they are. I don't think they're in, you know, much of a spot to turn down talent. And I like Colton Wong, so I think that would be a good fit. I think Chris is right on. I think moving Scope to third and letting him play a little bit of first here and there and moving around the infield. I don't even know why he couldn't do a Johnny Peralta clone at shortstop for a couple of games. When he needed him. <laughs> so I like the idea of, of Colton Wong quite a bit. Yeah. Well, you, John. I think I would prefer a little bit more power out of his bat. I don't think he's much of a power hitter. And for me, I would prefer, like I said, this team has money to spend. I would be more open to them finding an infielder on the free agent market, like maybe a Brandon Drury or a Gene Segura. So it really just depends on the Brewers asking price for me, because for me, I would just like someone with a little more power. And I'm not a big fan of giving up prospects, especially for this team who you would think is trying to still build for the future, unless they really view Colton Wong as a long-term fit. I believe he's only on a one-year contract, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I'm not the biggest fan of him being honest. Well, well, in terms of giving up the future, this is a team. <clears> the Tigers <throat> have not traded prospects. They don't. They, mm-hmm. Last year was the first time they traded Nick Quintana to for Tucker Barnhart last year, but that was really because, quite frankly, Quintana wasn't doing well here. And Bar, and Bar by the way, I saw rumored today that Tucker might return to Cincinnati, so the, the need catching is rather ironic. Anyway, but. The Tigers haven't risked any future because they haven't really trained anybody. I mean, this is a system that values their pro- sometimes to a to over to a annoying degree overvalues them. <clears throat> I mean, look the the system this year, Tigers minor league system, for all many games we went to, I cannot emphasize enough has shown growth. There's growth there. There's plenty of prospects you could talk about. There's Cole Keith. There's you could talk about Jesus Pete's. Pacheco. Wow. Yeah, Pacheco. Pacheco. Yeah, Pacheco. You could talk about Parker Meadows. You could talk about Winsteel Perez, Andre Lipsius, so on and so forth. But you gotta you gotta do something. If these guys are not gonna play in the system, use what you have to get yourself better. It's as simple as that. That's well, yeah. what they're there for. But that's kind of my point, is aren't those guys ready to be given a chance at the major league level? So when wouldn't you rather see Lipsius or Winsel Perez or Ryan Credler get an opportunity? More so than Colton Wong. Well, it, obviously we would like to see that happen, but I mean, if at the same time they they might see those guys completely different than how Avila in the past did. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way I look at it. Like Lacrylor, <clears throat> for example, doesn't fit that motif because he strikes out a lot, but I mean he has the ability to walk. But does he hit with power? Not right now. I mean he did before in the past, so it really depends. I mean the, the philosophies are completely one hundred percent different than what we're accustomed to. So they might see to me, I might see Andre Lipsius as a guy who's a utility player come off the bench and be a decent, out, uh, a, diff, a d- decent infielder. They might see him as, well, we could use him to trade for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I don't know. That is a good point. Cause Avila would give the young guys a chance like Willie Castro and all these prospects that he would trade for a draft. He would give them chance after chance. Maybe Scott Harris just, looks at those guys and says they're they're just not worth giving an opportunity to. That's that's a good point. No, because I mean look at it this way. That's why they, they, they weren't non tendered. 
the the Tigers kept some of these players way too long because Mm -hmm. they had no other choice, really. Because there was somebody who was talking about that. It's like, cut them. Okay, for who? Who are you cutting them for? Now now you have somebody else in charge that can go and say, all right, this is the way we're going to do it our way. Because I don't think that the more you think about Avila and and this is not going to turn into a bash Avila session because there are some things that Avila did correctly. And I know I'm probably, what did he do right? But anyway, who are you going to replace him with? There was no, I mean, it's just like this call him up thing, call him up thing that we heard all summer about a guy like Quincy or Quincy Deporti, for example, who was a double A MVP, great numbers, everything. But does that translate over to major league? numbers and the answer is no you know we, we right as of right now we don't know but if he if he did he would have an opportunity already he's 27 i think 26 27 chris the 40 i think might be 29 yeah 29 you're 29 years old in double a <laughs> and no offense to that but it's like it's he should be mastering yeah. this already so it's the it's the josh lester right who dominated double a and triple a with power for multiple years before he finally got a chance and it took him that long because scouts knew, hey, this isn't going to work at the big league yeah. level. And unfortunately, it only got two games to prove that it wasn't going to work. But yeah, sometimes guys just aren't ready. And there's a difference between that and a Josh Lester and, and a Willie Castro, who obviously remember he came up his rookie year and hit everything. Like, hey, this guy might be somebody. And then after that, it was like, oh, no, no, he'll, he'll flash every now and then, but it's not enough. And I think that that is one of the things we have to hope for with Scott Harris is that he and his his brain trust are much quicker at forming evaluations on players and in understanding what a guy can be and what he's not going to be. And it, it depends. I, I I think as a front office, they're going to pursue value and ways to get better incrementally. And if that means just one year of Colton Wong as like a step stopgap and it doesn't cost them anything that they think is going to be prohibitive in the future. Like say they, the Brewers want Jose de la Cruz, something like that, like a, a low a outfielder with some potential, but a long shot. I don't think they'd hesitate to move on. Just depends right. on yeah. what the cost is. Yeah. No. It's good to see that too, because they, it, at this point, they might, Avila might've evaluated Jose de la Cruz as the next Bobby Higginson. I, I don't know. Random tiger name to think of, but they they are they look at it as a clean slate. Youper, what are you gonna say? Well, I just in terms of holding on to guys too long, there's no question they did that, but they were able to do it. Why? Because the team was so terrible to be generous that they said, "Oh, we'll just let him go. We're gonna let him, we're gonna keep giving him multiple opportunities." Where that's where I really think so many ships get lifted if they if they invest in some premium talent where you put those guys into the lineup. And now you say, you know what? We got to put players around them. Uh, we can't give people several hundred at bats. Guys got to be ready to roll. They got to come out of our system ready to play. And they're only, the only motivation from that is by having some pieces in place in the big league lineup where you're not just killing time every day, waiting for the next draft. No, that's you're exactly right. Uber. It's just, it's now, Put up or shut up, essentially, at this point. So, another guy. One before we move on to questions and wrap up the, the podcast. A couple of guys I want to throw out there at for you. I just had a pure curiosity or flyer sake points is 
a guy like Omar Navarra is a catching possibility or Brian Anderson at third base with the Marlins non-tender they're the non-tender talent non-tender some of the folks that made it have some there's some interesting names out there we're still sorting through that when like I said you, you can go to woodwardsports.com tomorrow and I'll have my outfield piece ready to rock and roll I just caught myself saying a father cliche like those uh, insurance commercials <laughs> I just said one of those like we're ready to rock and roll oh my god Horrible, 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 horrible. Sorry. Anyways, but there's, like I said, is there any non-tender candidates you guys want to bring up out there that stood out to you? I looked uh, up, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. You. I looked at Brian Anderson quickly the other day when he popped onto the market and, and Candelario left. I mean, obviously, is he much better than Jamer Candelario based on what he did last year? I'm hard to say that. But in the past, he's been a pretty solid hitter. He's been down for a year or so, but he does walk a lot. And if that means controlling the strike zone, if that is anything along the lines of what Scott Harris was talking about, then Brian Anderson makes some sense as a guy they could sign, and hopefully he's a bounce-back candidate. Yeah. One guy I thought was interesting was Dominic Smith of the Mets. He's just a really interesting player. Like This year only got 134 at-bats. Didn't hit a single home run, but in 2019 and 2020 put up some really good seasons. And I don't know what to make of him because he he was a, a touted prospect who looked like a middle of the order hitter, and it's just been completely up and down for him. Just I, I don't know. He's still relatively young, and I could see him maybe as a long term fit as like a DH potentially. So he was a player that kind of interests me. All right. So, I think that I mean, like I said, there's yeah, Roger, Chris. Was there anybody for your end? Narvaez. So what? Uh, let's see, my oh, well, you mentioned Narvaez, who, who I thought for a while would be an interesting uh, platoon catcher. He's not going to give you power. He's not going to hit for average, but he'll walk a little bit, and he's graded out really well as a framer the last couple of years. He's not a great arm, so that that would be a guy that just again makes you sort of slightly better. But then they've got Rogers, they've got Haas. It just depends on on who you want to give the at-bats to. But I haven't I haven't really scoured the the wire for people who have been let go. I looked at Brian Anderson, too, like you did. I, I, it, it's just interesting that, like, the best option for a third base out there for that type of player seems to be Jamer Candelario. Yeah. Like, I've seen a bunch of other teams <laughs> go, like, hey, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Jamer. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. I get it for other teams. So, I don't know. I, I, I feel like something is going to be in the works there. I don't I don't know if they're going to sign a third baseman in the free agent. I feel like it could be a trade. You cross your fingers and they sign one of the big four shortstops, right? But we know for for as much as people dislike Javi Baez, I think they, they tend to equate his approach at the plate with like him not being a team player for some reason, right? Like he just swings at everything that, that makes him seem selfish. But we know he's not. He was gladly playing second base for the Mets when they – when he was teamed up with Lindor, and he's we know he's a good second baseman. He's done it with the Mets and the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So if for some in some far distant galaxy, the Tigers go, you know what? Yeah, let's just give one of these guys six years and, and two hundred million, and then you, you get Baez at second base, and you move up to third, and there you go. You have a, a slightly more fun team. I don't see it happening, but I also don't see them signing. I don't know, maybe maybe they will. Maybe they'll maybe they'll just be Jace Peterson, Gray, yeah. or Justin Turner for one year. Because I'm looking at the third baseman free agent market, and you can make the case Candelario is the best free agent third baseman right now. Yeah. 
So, I don't know. Well, again, I think that Candelario is a guy. I mean, a, a fresh scene, a, a change of scenery will do some good. I think Candelario will be a a, a guy who can at least be a tour player somewhere else. I, I, I Tampa, I, I, Tampa. <laughs> Look, you per. I <laughs> that happens, then you know I was just gonna hear Paredes and Candelario. We're gonna hear it all day long, and I'm just gonna yeah. I'm just gonna have to mute that element out of my life because you know what you know what would be a good fit for Candelaria, by the way, honestly, the Marlins. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, why the Marlins? Why the Marlins? Simple. It's really a team that needs power, and he has he has ability to hit power, and with the national league kind of being the American league now, kind of a, a balance, there's not really uh, in terms of the division balance and all that. But personally, I just think I, I, for whatever reason, I think the Marlins would, he would just thrive in that environment down there. I like it. Yeah. Oh yeah. But didn't they I mean, kind of already do that with like Soler and Avi Garcia and neither of those guys really worked out for him. That's different because that was, I mean, this is a guy who Kendall is not 30 yet. But I mean, they, those guys, those options that Marlins are kind of in a I actually I really don't know how to identify the Marlins these days. Yeah, so they're they're, they're, a, they're a, a state of flux right now. So but. Candy to the Marlins, Brian and, Anderson to yeah. the Tigers in a challenge signing. Yeah. Zaro World <laughs> Zaro World situation. But I love it. All right, Chris. I do have I did get a question by the way that was from friend of the show Mark who DM'd me questions during the season. First and foremost he wanted to say he said, I said, happy Thanksgiving to him and his family. He said the same when I passed along. And he gave me a question that I'm going to ask everybody first, which is, hey, Rogelio, pick one pitcher and one hitter you would think to have the biggest breakout or bounce back season in 2023. So, oh, this is a good one. Yeah, so I'm going to go, Chris, I'll start with you first. One pitcher and one hitter to have a bounce back season, huh? Great, great uh, question. Great question. Does Michael Conforto count? <laughs> yeah. You know, it counts. You counts. I, I would I would think that he's not gonna or is he talking about the Tigers? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he's talking about the Tigers, but he okay. might okay. um, be a, could be a Tiger. There you go. Yeah. So if he's just talking about the Tigers, let's see. I I I, I find it hard to believe that Jonathan Scope will be that bad again. I, I, he's not a great hitter, but he's had most of his seasons have been reasonable, like. Like a twenty or like an eighty WRC plus to like hundred and ten somewhere in there close to average not fifty five or whatever last year was and uh, I don't know what it was that infected the whole team last year but it seemed to infect him as bad as anybody and he just never got on track and and I could see him we talked about it many times you, you've mentioned like he'll go on a heater for six weeks or whatever that's who he is he's he's not super old I can see him having a solid bounce back year where he is close to an average hitter again, at least by WRC plus for pitching. It's tough, man. Like who? Yeah, no, nobody had a bad year. Really? Everybody got hurt. So I'm trying to think, I, I guess this is narrow had, he came back and his, his over, like underlying numbers were ugly, but his overall numbers look good. I, I would hope that he's a guy who can come back and with a little bit more time to rest, be a little bit more reliable, get those strike up, strikeout numbers up and walk numbers down again. So those would be my two sort of bounce back candidates for the Tigers next year. Mm. All right. I'm going to go with Rodriguez 
pitching. I, I think hopefully most of his personal things are straightened out and they get 30 starts or more out of him. And it just looks like a much better signing overall. Plus that will probably be the impetus for him to opt out and go, <laughs> which is unfortunate, but that's kind of how that might work. So he has some incentive to, to bounce back as well. So with a good season, my other one, I thought about scope. That's great. I'm mirror everything there. It makes sense. But so I'll go with Javi Baez. Let's face it. He is the kind of talent where he could have a bust out year and have a five or six war year. No problem. I mean, he's, he's done that in the past. He has the ability. If he just doesn't, if he doesn't have the incredibly slow start this year, why couldn't he do that next year? It's pretty possible. Yeah. There you go. But yeah. Pitching wise, it's, it was really hard because like a lot of the bullpens are bullpen arms had breakout seasons and, just starting pitching wise, Casey Mize is going to be out, so you can't really look at him. Scooble is going to be out, so I think uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is definitely a a good choice for that. Just because you hope he can be, like you said, his off field problems will be solved and he can make thirty plus starts a year. And then for me, offensively, I would go with Spencer Torkelson, just because to me he he gets held to a higher standard, at least for me, because he is the number one overall pick. He has expectations to be a perennial All Star. And I'm not expecting him to be an all-star next year, but he can, he can't have a, a 500 OPS season like he did this year. And he, he needs to be, let's play. He needs to have a breakout season. Like he's 24 years old already. It's he needs to show up. Cause like I said, he was supposed to be the face of this rebuild and I get, he's not a Scott Harris guy, but I do believe most of not all the teams probably would have took him with the number one overall pick. So to me, he's. I think he has a lot of pressure on him, and I think he needs to live up to that. That's fair. I can, I can, I can dig that. It's it's totally fair in terms of expectations. Definitely, there is a lot to live up to. As far as for me for bounce back, I, I, I'm really if I'm really thinking about it in the grand scheme of things, Akil Badu I think is yeah. a bounce back candidate because there the potential is there. We've seen it. And now the Tigers have a little more coaching staff. I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do. So I think he's a good bounce back candidate. If he can get to even look, I'd be happy with 260 and 15 home runs. Honestly, it just something to we can see. There's flashes in there last year, even when he struggled. So that would be mine. As far as pitching goes, if this is another one too, it, I know I'm probably get some crap for it. Is Gregory Soto? Why I say that is simple. This, some of these fan base, like some of the fans do not like the fans either really like Ray Soto or they hate him. The guy has saved 93%. He has saved over 90% of his save opportunities. His non-save numbers. Chris and I talked about this before. As a bounce back candidate, the reason why I say that, so I guess he has to be perfect apparently for people to like him or something. I, I don't know. There was some, somebody on Twitter was like, I don't like his attitude. What attitude? What? What are, you, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? What the hell does that even mean? So if we're talking about bounce back, bounce back candidates, I would have to say Gregory Soto in a sense of a lot cutting down his walk rate. Simple as that. And then people might be happier. That's it. I know it sounds like a, I copped out to that question, but honestly, the, the Tigers have so many injuries, and, and there's no real way of determining uh, Spencer Turnbull will be another one I could probably put in there too. Oh, sure. And 
But if he can if he can get back to form a little bit, that'd be awesome too. But Torque, the the thing is, Torque, he has to be willing to change. And from my understanding of it all, about taking questions about his hitting or anything, unless he changes, we'll see. So, well, we I think we just definitely just figured out that. The Tigers have no shortage of bounce back categories. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Got a lot of guys there. <laughs> the odds are someone's bouncing back. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's yeah, gonna be Yeah, literally, you can just you can, it's like throwing spaghetti on the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> so all right. So Chris, go ahead with some of the questions. All right. Well, we, we kind of already uh, touched on this, but we can redouble if we want to. Jalen Durden season said, what free agent starting pitcher could be in play and what corner outfielder is realistic? Okay. I don't know if there's anybody we mentioned earlier that, or anybody that you didn't get a chance to mention earlier. But I, I but, have one I wanted to hit on. One guy I was a big fan of was Michael Walker. He had a really, really solid season for the Red Sox, and I think especially pitching in that AL East division going against teams like the Blue Jays and the Yankees, I know the Rays didn't have the greatest offense, but you know I think that says a lot pitching in that division. And was still relatively young. I believe he's 30, 31 years old. And could he be a pitcher that's kind of finding his second life now and maybe a guy that could take a one- or two-year contract? And if he continues to have success, you could potentially flip him or he could be a part of this rotation. So he's a starting pitcher I really, really like. And then the other question was about an outfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, one came to mind was JD Martinez, but he's more of a DH than an outfielder. Yeah. We did kind of touch on it already. Kind of like a right-handed bat, like an AJ Pollock, Adam Duvall. I don't think was a guy that was mentioned. Mitch Hanniger. I know we talked about him last week. I like him, but you guys brought up Will Myers. I'm a big fan of that just because I like his versatility and I don't think he's going to cost a whole lot. So those are a couple of guys that came to mind for me. How about you? What about you? Well, pitching-wise, we talked about Taiwan Walker and Zach Eflin. If we look at the back of the rotation, I wonder how much they're interested in, in, in old retreads, like vets who are looking for a job, like Corey Kluber, those kind of guys. Obviously, there might be some upside left to him. I just We just don't know enough about Scott Harris, other than the fact, as Chris noted, he hasn't signed anybody more than three years. So what does that mean? I mean, the when he's now the head guy in Detroit, is he going to limit himself to that? Is that what he lives and dies by? We don't know. For instance, I'll, I'll, you know, this obviously there's some level of absurdity to this, but why couldn't they sign Aaron Judge? Tell me why they couldn't do it. What, there's no what, reason they can't. There's no reason they can't. Exactly right. There's so many di- different ways you could get creative by paying out the contract like the Max Scherzer deal where he's paid for an extra 10 years afterwards or whatever and, and make the thing affordable. There's no way they can say they can't afford it. So now they got to make it. Why would he want to come here? That's a good question. They <laughs> He's going to have other opportunities, but you know, they need right-handed power. Where else would you go besides him? That's where you should start. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to do that. I, I don't think. So now you look at some of those lesser lights that we talked about. So yeah, we're, we get into the Hanniger and Will Myers era. That kind of thing. Yeah, you know what? You're shooting your shot, and I appreciate yeah. the appreciate that. So, if I was, look, if if I had it, if the, if there's one name I like out there that Tigers are not associated with whatsoever, 
would be a guy like Andrew Benateri. I think that guy would be a perfect fit for Comerica Park. That's a guy who, again, but covering the team and what have you, I'm trying to be as realistic as possible because I, I don't do the pie in the sky thing because I think it's ridiculous. But Andrew Benateri would be, I think, an ideal fit for left field. He could also play right. And uh, Brian, Brandon Drury is technically there too, but I, I don't know. I think he wants too much money, and I think he's on – like just reading what I'm reading, just like, I don't I don't think it would be a, a good deal for the Tigers. So, but Aaron Judge, sure, why not? I mean, I mean, Hanger or Hanger, Hanniger, Hanniger, Hanniger. Thank you, Mitch mm-hmm. Hanniger would be. I, I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're going to like, at this point, gentlemen, I don't want to talk about guys like what's the guy from the. Uh, Aquinos. Aquinos. Yeah. Aquino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, the red outfielder who strikes out way too much. Yeah, okay. The Punisher. I'm Like I said, everybody right now who's like, yeah, this guy can't say names, they're absolutely right. So I failed in that regard. But even, I know, there's a system, there's a lot of names out there in the outfield that are like, oh, well, what about a guy like Corey Dickerson? Two years ago, maybe, yeah. but oh, no. right. oh, and there's the guy with Japan. They could get involved there. Yeah, yeah. there's Lewis well, Brinson. In the West Coast, I think. Lewis Brinson, but he, he's a guy who has proven not to be consistent. So yeah, yeah, no. And Christopher, you're absolutely right. There's no way in Sam Hell Aaron Judge is coming here. So I know there's some Tiger fan out there who might be going like, "Well, why not us, guys?" Well, well, there was there was no way that. Chris Bryant was going to Colorado until it became very obvious that they were going to give him way more money than anybody else. The Tigers could get Aaron judge if they wanted to, they don't want to spend 45, $50 million a year for eight to 10 years. It is, it is a choice not not to get involved. It is not, it's not a sentence. They had not been sentenced to avoid Aaron judge. They're making a choice. And whether that's right or wrong choice, I, I think that's the mindset though. Some people say, Oh, they can't afford him. Yeah, they could. If they wanted to, they could. They don't want to. And that's okay. There's other ways to go, but I just think that's always an important mindset to flush out. I know he's not a free agent, but one guy you planted in my mind, Uper, was Stone Garrett. I, I really I want to see that happen now because I feel like he's just going to break out for us. Like I could just see that happening. I don't know. Yeah, I, if you could get him in trade, yeah, that would be fairly interesting, no question. He has some skills. Mm-hmm. I do think that the next move the Tigers do make is going to come via trade just because or if they're going to sign somebody awesome, but I think they, to address a catcher, to address a power hidden outfielder, like some mentioning the Tyler O'Neill idea that I proposed two years ago, this is before his five war season because the numbers were projecting the other way. If they're if the Tigers are doing their homework right now, they might be identifying somebody that is just stuck somewhere has the potential to break out. Yep. And just needs an opportunity. Hi, St. Louis Cardinals. How you doing? Listen, you guys somehow, some way always go out there. There's like their trees. Like just, Lars Newtbar. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> yeah, that that name is that's also a stellar name. They have fields of outfielders somewhere. The St. Louis Cardinals somehow get major league talent growing. And it's like they so again. Who knows what the, the Tigers could be? But I mean, Taylor O'Neill right now would be great too. But again, 
I also would like wings and I would also would like a podcast studio that literally has show wings. Show, like, I want, okay. I want wings that can fly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wings that can fly. And then uh, <laughs> I want a podcast chair. That's the same as captain Kirk's original from star Trek Ooh, in the sixties. Nice. Okay. I also want I this so. whole, I want to, I want one part of my house to be a giant podcast wings that everybody's getting there at the same time. And people can stop bitching about the sound, excuse me, complaining about the sound that we're working on. That's what I want. But you know what? We can't always have what we want, as the Rolling Stones once said. Continue with the questions, Chris. Is there any? uh, (laughs) That was the the only question there. I I showed this one to you earlier. It's not really a question. It was just a comment from Jack of Detroit, which is dangerously named, almost bad name. He said, Harris has yet to impress me. His waiver wire pickups are a joke. The Tigers deserve better. I don't have the patience to wait around for another failed five-year rebuild. Scott Harris.net is the website for him. Yeah. It feels a bit early. I mean, he's three months into the job. Oh, I like this YouTube comment from CC Gaming. Tigers be asking what they feed their trees so they have their own forest of outfield prospects. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, they I just it was it was it was kind of a funny comment to me. Like I, I understand nobody wants to sit through another five year rebuild. I don't think and a five year failed rebuild. Nobody wants to sit through any sort of failed rebuild. I think you have to be fair, though. Did I disappear? No. No, I disappeared on my screen. That's weird. <laughs> um, you have to you have to be fair and give Harris and his crew some time to fix this, right? Like Alliance fans keep talking about this because Alliance have sucked forever and ever and ever and ever. And it's like, ah, they they brought in a new GM and a new coach, and things aren't happening as quickly as they should. It's because everybody else was complete buffoon before. And Lavila did not leave a, a, a great situation here. I mean, there's some talent, but you, you got to give Harris time to fix this. And, and he's not going to fix it with waiver wire pickups. He may occasionally get a good waiver wire pickup, but I, I wouldn't expect anything good to happen just yet. So there's that. Yep. yep. All right. Uh, and then we got we got three part question from Deadly Ninja Bees. And the first one is: Does does Zach Tort have incriminating photos of Scott Harris? <laughs> number two is does Hinch have any say in roster construction now he seemed to like the Castros and number three given all the holes in the lineup shouldn't we be seeing movement soon please well going to number two that's going to be that's going to be actually very fun I mean it's hard to say right now I mean I, I wouldn't say one way or the other if, if Hinch has any control over the roster but it's gonna that's just one of those things we're going to find out as time goes on that's always very fascinating is how the dynamic is going to be between these guys who've never worked together and what say Hinch has in his roster. Cause you know, there are a lot of places around baseball and, and where the GM makes the final call on who's on the roster. So that's going to be a lot of fun over the next few months. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, if, if Hinch is going, well, wait a minute, I can get better. Okay, cool. Let's just do that. <laughs> Well, I'd be shocked if he doesn't have some input on the 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 roster. I, I, Scott Harris, I believe, will have the final say. But I think he believes that A.J. Hinch is a smart guy and Hinch has had a history in front office before. And I think they believe in pretty much the same sort of thing. So I don't think there'd be a lot of disagreement there. I do think that A.J. Hinch kind of liked the Castros, but it's yes, all relative, right? I think he liked them compared to the alternatives. And yeah. – Scott Harris basically said, I will get you better alternatives. And <laughs> Hinch was like, sure, sounds good. Now, you could argue, as he did in his first 
comment there about Zach Short. Zach Short survived several rounds of cuts here for a guy who did not play much at all in the majors last year. I think what he got like four games. He played a lot more the year before. But uh, we've talked before that, that Scott Harris probably knows Zach Short from his days with the Cubs six, seven years ago or whatever. I don't remember when Zach Short was drafted 2015. And, uh, but we do know a couple things about Zach Short, right? We know that he's making the major league minimum, which Willie Castro and Harold Castro were not. We know that he can play basically eight positions. He's played everything but catcher, I think. He probably could pitch in Cody Clemens' duty. He's not necessarily a great big league shortstop. I think, he, in fact, he's looked pretty bad there. But he can play there. He can play second. He can play third. He plays all the outfield positions. He's done it all in the minors. And he walks a ton. I think he, he had the second most walks in AAA last year, at least the International League. Close to 90 walks, I think. Had a little bit of power. There, there are things there that could be useful to Scott Harris. And again, he's looking for right-handed hitting infielders. I'm sorry, left-handed hitting infielders. So, so yeah, Zach Short, is, is, he's one of many there, the right-handed hitters. But, you know, he could play the outfield too. So, I, I don't think that uh, necessarily Scott Harris loves Zach Short, but I think he finds him possibly useful in ways that the other guys were not. And he could also be the next one DFA to need a spot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's no, like I said, it can, it can literally change. I mean, we saw what three guys already put on waivers that he picked up. Palacios, so, Paparski, Paparski, Gunter. Yeah. So again, yeah, I mean, and they, they picked up a guy. The, the most interesting pickup too was the, some of the outfielder they picked up. Fly Madras. Yeah. Fly Madras. Yeah. But, was it a Steel Walker? Steel Walker. Yeah, Steel Walker yeah. too. Yeah. Guy with the screen. Yeah. Adult sounding name. <laughs> I can like, that, but he's uh, no Dick Delaware. <laughs> if you read that story, but all right, well, what else have we got, Chris? That's it. That's the, that was the last question. Unless, yeah, yeah I mean, we, we talked about it. there will be moves. I think around the winter meetings, I, I mm-hmm. suspect the Tigers will do some stuff for sure. They might sign a, a guy or two. Or I think will be involved in a trade or two. Yeah, usually during Thanksgiving, not much goes on from what I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, people want to, these executives want to be with their families too. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's going to be, it's going to be really quiet for a while. So we might not see anything until maybe next week or what have you, or the winter meetings. So the winter meetings. So, Doug, thank you so much for the compliment. A happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and to John, because you know, whoever they are. Yeah, whoever, <laughs> yeah, whoever, whoever that. <laughs> whoever they are. Yeah, th- happy Thanksgiving to everybody. If you celebrate it, there's people out there who don't like turkey. That's cool. I, Whatever you want to eat, I don't care. I, I think there's this this shaming of, well, you're not having a traditional Thanksgiving. Who cares? You might not like turkey. Who cares? I, I don't understand. You do you. One thing, yeah. one on, thing I will say, uh, just one suggestion, is uh, check in with some friends too. Like sometimes people don't have family that they can visit on Thanksgiving. So if you if you got a friend, somebody who you think might like to join or just want to check in with them, it's always a good time because. Holidays feel great for, for those of us who can be around the people we love, but sometimes people can't, and they, they'd like to hear from you, I think. Yeah, that's a great point. I have a couple of friends who moved from moved out, or excuse me out of state to here, and that's just just way to just check in. And, and this time of year with the holidays, it's not that as glorious as a Hallmark TV movie is. Sometimes for people, it's hard. And yeah, so, watch the ice storm. Oh man! <laughs> Look, <laughs> if anybody has not watched that movie, do yourself a favor. 
watch it with friends and a lot of like lights on or not necessarily lights on, but just watch when you're in a, you know, don't watch when you're in a bad mood or a sad no, mood. That movie, Chris, <laughs> that's one of those depressing movies of all time. I love depressing movies. That's <laughs> I know, I know you do, but that was one of those movies where I, the entire time, especially how what Elijah Wood's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to spoil it. Well, actually, he's twenty years old. See it. It's Kevin. Yeah. It's one of the last performances Kevin Klein's in, too, right? Yeah, I don't know what he's done since then. It was, it was, I think Ang Lee's first or second movie in North America. And, Kevin uh, Klein was in that really bad movie called Last Vegas with yeah. Morgan Freeman and like Robert poor De Niro. old guys going to, you know. But he's yeah, old timers. Wow. Oh man. So All he's right. still around. Oh, okay. Well, I know that you know you know you know he did. By the way, he married Phoebe Cates. So, tip tip of the cap. We watched. We watched Spring Trains and Automobiles tonight with my son. Oh, I got yeah. Too. There was a scene. Somebody posted a scene on Twitter of him smoking and eating a hot dog at the same time. John Candy. I love John Candy so much. Oh yeah, you don't get me started. Uncle Buck's one of my favorite movies of all time. I I love John Candy. There's, There's one of the things if you get a chance. There's a documentary. That I think the CBC did on when he owned part owner of the Argonauts, and hmm. he was one of those guys that was like he, somebody saw somebody lo- loading some stuff in off the moving truck, and and they're like, oh, can we help you? And it was John Candy, like just John Candy was just wanted like he was he played a, a offensive lineman in high school before hmm. he got into comedy. So yeah, rest in peace, John Candy, one of my favorite actors of all time. Just yeah. is. <laughs> The, the favorite part of that movie too is when he's driving and Steve Martin looks over to him and he's like, "Ha ha, he's with the he's devil." The devil. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that, that whole scene. I love that. that. I love that whole movie. So, yeah, he, he's fantastic. But anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you next week, unless things changes. But go to WoodwardSports.com and click on the news tab, and you'll find all our articles on there. Go to MLB. There'll be a Thanksgiving treat for you tomorrow for the outfield. And so I'll be writing a piece on there, but all our great content we got, we have we'll talked about Michigan and Ohio State on Saturday. We have the Lions are on a winning streak. There's crazy things happening oh. in sports. And if you're going out to the Lions game tomorrow, get there really early. So, and we'll be out live Friday at, uh, we're going to be out live Friday hitting the streets again. So we'll be, I'll be out in Clarkston for the morning show and run, helping with those guys in Big D Energy. So until next week, have a great thanks, everybody. I'm supposed to make a funny face now, right? Let's do the pause. <laughs>